Back on Smith & Jones, Paul Jones, Eric Smith with you. All right, Jones, I want to continue the conversation we were having with Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. And I, I, I wanted to ask Howard this question, but we ran out of time. So I'm going to throw it to you, and you and I can, can, can knock it around for a couple of minutes here. Speaking of forcing trades and, and forcing your way into different situations, it sounds like we might see that happen in the next couple of years at least one more time. I'm sure it'll happen like 17 more times before this comes around. We briefly discussed this last week, but LeBron James on the record as saying, and, and listen, this is where maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here saying I don't like, love the fact that guys are forcing deals and moving around, but in this situation, I'm okay with it because I know if I was in his shoes, I would feel the same way and I would hope to or think I would attempt to do the exact same thing. LeBron James on the record saying that he will do everything in his power to make sure that he is on the team, the same team, as Bronny when Bronny James makes it to the NBA and is in the association. And that will happen. He is going to play in the NBA. So at some point, assuming he's still a Laker, at some point, LeBron James will not be a Laker. Unless somehow he can find a way to get Bronny to L.A., LeBron James plans to to force his hand at least one more time and get into a situation where he can be playing with Bronny. That, again, well, at the risk of talking out of both sides of my mouth, I don't totally begrudge because I think that's historic and I think that's just cool, and I would want to do the same thing with my kid. That has, that has uh, longer implications, E, for the long game um, because they'll play together for a year, but as long as LeBron's son is in that organization, LeBron's going to remain partially tied to that organization, isn't he? I mean, if he's making that kind of a commitment to wants to sure. play with his son, yeah. maybe maybe he gets tied into that organization in management or ownership or whatever. So, um, I mean, I, I thought this was comical before when he was just in, in grade school and people were talking about him playing in the NBA. It's like, how do you know? How do you know the kid's going to be that good? I mean, it turns out that he's, you know, he's probably going to, you know, be part of the league, but. Um, I just thought that's such a calculated move by, by LeBron and something that, uh, you know, really, it has long-term implications. It's the long game for some franchise because if you draft or you get a hold of LeBron's kid, you're going to get LeBron for the short term and, and quite possibly the long term. So, um, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. It's something that's historical, never been done before in that sense. Yeah, why not? Well, in his direct quote, for those that didn't see it, hear it, read it, my last year will be played with my son. So not like I'm hoping to. My last year will be played with my son. The quote continues, wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I'll do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. So that's not, that's not just like, a, again, I hope for. That is, I'm doing it. Period. I will yeah. do this. Yeah. So, and your point is, is bang on, John. Well, both your points. One, you're going to be forever tied to the dad. Two, there was no guarantee that you were going to get to this point. Look at Michael Jordan's kids. Good Wayne Gretzky's kids. And they're all successful in their own right in other facets of life. That's not to say that just because they didn't make it to the NHL, to the NBA... Look at how many other, like, there are fantastic examples. We were just talking about Cole Anthony in the first hour of the show. Fantastic examples of children 
of athletes who go on to become athletes themselves and even star athletes, maybe even better than their father or their mother. But there are many other examples of kids that don't make it or that don't want to make it. They might not even play, right? They want to do something else in life, and that's fine. So trust me when I say, or believe me when I say, I'm not judging in a negative way Jordan's kids or Gretzky's kids or whatever. They're, they're, they're successful in their own right. But for Bronny to get to this point where we're even discussing him as an NBAer, like think of the think of the lineage, right? Like we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how tough it must be on um, Jello, on Leangelo. The fact that yeah. LaMelo and Lonzo made it. Like that's crazy in itself that two brothers made it. And Lonzo arguably was on the path to having the better career. And now his brother is an all-star, and he isn't. But that's not to say that he's still not a great player and a starter for a team that's tied for first in the Eastern Conference. But then you're Jello. Does that mean that Jello's any less? No, not at all. Because he's still playing ball. It's just taking a different path. And maybe at the end of the day, he's not as good. But that doesn't mean he's any less of a person. But it's crazy to think of the odds of making it to this level for any player, but let alone the child of a star as well, and to have that type of talent to be a significant player as well, that seems crazy to me. Like, I don't know what the odds yeah. are on that. It, it is it is wild. And, uh, you know, maybe the development happens at a different time. And, and you're right. Uh, Leangelo, hey, as long as he's playing ball and, and having fun and kind of doing his thing, then roll with it. It, it, that part of it, it. That part of it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Well, part of the reason I bring up MJ as well as LeBron um, was so I could find a nice little tight segue here because LeBron James, All-Star Weekend, um, speaking about Michael Jordan. I did not want to lose the opportunity to, uh, to shake the man's hand that inspired me throughout my childhood. Um, haven't had much dialogue with him in my 20 years or 19 years in this, in this business. But part of me wouldn't be here without MJ's inspiration. Um, I always wanted to be like him growing up. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy that the game winning shot tonight was a fadeaway and it was inspired by MJ. Um, you know, the way he wore his shoes, the way he wore his uniform. I mean, all the way down to like some of the cars that he drove. Um, how much he inspired me. And um, I didn't want to waste that opportunity because we're just, we're, we're just not in the – we're not in the same building a lot and haven't been in the same building a lot throughout my, my career. And, you know, it meant something to me. You know, I, I, I've heard it before, Jonesy. I knew it. But to hear LeBron say it again, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I thought or hoped or assumed that they should be, like, best buddies and talking all the time. But – there is part of me that I don't even know what word I'm on use. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm certainly not hurt by it, but I'm not. I'm not flustered necessarily. I'm not shocked, but but there is a there is a little bit of an element of surprise or maybe disappointment is the best word, in that there isn't more of a relationship or more of a conversation. And again, that's not to imply that they don't like each other, uh, that there's any animosity or anything. I just would have thought that there might be more. Uh, dialogue or more opportunity. Like when LeBron says, I didn't want to miss out on being there and having a chance to shake his hands because we haven't had many interactions in my 20, 19 years and barely in the same building ever. You would just think that their paths would cross or there might even be a text from time to time or there would be some sort of 
or, or more interaction in general, don't you think? Yeah, no, I would, I would have thought that too. Uh, but then again, it, it just shows that, uh, you know, that I guess maybe the greatness of Michael Jordan, he doesn't, maybe he's not doing that. And, and he, he only did it with certain guys. There was obviously a relationship there with Kobe, but Kobe played against him. Kobe uh, would, we hear, generally seek his guidance and maybe it's a, a generational thing where they're just they're just kind of separated by by time, space, and age uh, with Michael and LeBron. But uh, as I said earlier, off the top of the show, for me, didn't go this year to Cleveland, but it would have been cool to be around and actually see those guys, see all of them, the, the, the mm-hmm. top seventy-five. And it's everybody looks at Michael, but man, that that list of just outstanding players. Eric, you and I have somewhere I have it probably on an old device i'd have to go and dig for it i remember you and i the, the 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 day we were doing a game in orlando when we went down into the lobby to we were going to go for a walk and grab grab something to eat and there was wayne Embry with oscar robertson and wayne called us over and it was like yeah wayne we know who you are hey oscar uh, i mean to be around <laughs> do, you, do you remember and we've got a picture somewhere I'll have oh to i remember for it. yep i remember what, what i was wearing did. even i i absolutely remember yeah the, the picture and, i'll probably i you know what? I, I'll find it right now. I've got it. I, I know I had it up on Instagram, and so I'm sure it's still there. But to be around that kind of greatness, and and uh, it's interesting with all these debates about, you know, the goat, LeBron, Michael, LeBron, Michael. To hear LeBron speak about Michael like that, the person that inspired him, and inspired a whole generation, and made, and and helped recruit the casual fan to the NBA, and then everything else kind of falls into place with it around the hip-hop culture and just basketball's growing popularity. You know, Michael Jordan was was right in on that at the, at the start of it and, and bringing fans to the NBA and bringing kids to the NBA. So uh, it was, it, it's really great to hear LeBron say that and, and, you know, humble himself as people, we look at him as, you know, one of the greatest of all time, say, no, there's a guy there that, that helped inspire me. No doubt about it. No doubt about that, Jones. And I'm I'm still scrolling through the pictures to uh, to find it, but I know that I have it on here. And I remember that day in in Orlando. And and you know those are the the cool things that we um, you know are lucky enough, fortunate enough to to experience because of the job. And it's one of those things I loved here. And I don't know if you saw the the comment from Charles Barkley, and and he was being, I guess, sort of self deprecating in in a sense where he was he was talking about. You know, that's the, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something to the effect of, you know, that stupid ball, that little round ball has brought me so much in my life, like brought me everything in my life. And he talked about how he himself, as one of the greatest of all time, one of the top 75, got emotional last night being on the floor and being part of that halftime ceremony and being around all of those greats and recognizing that from a young age, from from grade school and bitty ball to, to, to high school and to college to the pros to now his broadcasting career and everything, it's all been because of that basketball. And on a much, much, much smaller scale, it's similar for us in terms of our paths and what basketball has brought us personally and professionally because of our careers and relationships and opportunities to, to meet people and talk to people and experience, you know, games and wins and losses and playoffs and championships and 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 put food on the table all that stuff it's like recognizing and appreciating what you have and what the game 
has brought you. And I loved hearing that from Charles as well. And, and again, putting money aside, just recognizing the experiences of what the game has brought you, not just any financial windfall. Well, and that's, you know, that's the line that, that I always quote uh, from, you know, one of my coaches and, and, and my father the same way. Basketball should be a means to an end, not an end in itself. Like it should help lead you somewhere. And hopefully, uh, you know, it's led these guys to a place where they can, uh, you know, give back, make the world a better place. So I'm all for it. I'm all for it in that regard. Well, Jonesy, perhaps no better example of that, uh, or, or, or at least if there are better examples, there aren't a lot. Um, because you think of a situation like Fred Van Vliet and the way he grew up in Rockford, Illinois, and then to battle his way through to a point where he makes it to the NBA draft, then goes undrafted, and had an opportunity potentially to go in the second round on a couple of occasions, but basically said, no, don't draft me. I'll bet on myself. I'll take my own chances. Signs a contract with the Raptors, I believe 50000 bucks, and then joins a situation where there's three guys ahead of him, earns his way onto the team, ends up becoming a key piece in a championship run, and then is now handed the keys to the organization when... One of the former star players has now moved on to another team, I obviously, Kyle Lowry, and right on the heels of a near $100 million contract extension. Like, if that's not an example of everything we're talking about and the game bringing you to new heights, both personally, professionally, and certainly financially, ah, I can't think of too many other great ones. And here is all-star now, to put the cherry on the Sunday, all-star Fred Van Vliet talking about his favorite part of this past weekend. Uh, it's probably just being in the in the locker room and just you know being around the guys, just to be able to hear some of the stories and share stories. So uh, I think that's probably the best part, just to be a part of the, the brotherhood of what you know this elite level is. And um, obviously, the game was way more fun than anything else I've done since I've been here. <laughs> And one last one from Fred as we kind of put All-Star Weekend to, uh, to bed and look ahead to the final third of the season, the final seven weeks, what he's hoping for for the Raptors uh, during this last part of the season. Probably just health, yeah. you know, staying healthy, get some um, continuity. I think, again, building the team up the way we built it up, I think there's probably got to be a shift towards more playoff basketball as we get to the tail end of the season and what that will look like. So we'll get to some more packages. Um, Coach is pretty good with that, you know, it's having a, a game plan to the season. So uh, you would like to start sharpening up as, you know, end of March, April comes. And, uh, Jonesy, in the midst of uh, listening to the clips, I kept my thumb scrolling, 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 scrolling. Um, it was actually one of the first pictures I put up on Instagram when I joined crazily eight oh, years ago, okay. uh, almost okay. nine years ago. It was the sixth picture I ever posted. And it was November 1st, 2014. Wow. November 1st, 2014, where we, uh, where we uh, met with Wayne and, and, and the big O, Oscar Robinson. And uh, so I'll, I'll maybe throw that picture up on, on Twitter or repost it on Instagram or whatever. I'll, I'll send it to you in case you can't find it in your, uh, in your archives immediately right away. But a, a great shot of all four of us and, and a heck of an experience. Um, I want to shift gears here, and I know you do as well. Uh, if folks didn't see it, well, find it or 
look at it after the fact because we'll try and recount it as best we can right here. Um, there was, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's unfair to call it an ugly situation uh, that went down yesterday. Uh, Jawan Howard getting into um, uh, a heated debate, argument, discussion that turned physical with him and an assistant coach and players and players exchanging punches and a near brawl breaking out between Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's coach, Greg Gard, stopped Juwan Howard in the end-of-game handshake line, which is still a, a tradition, essentially, in the NCAA, which led to the two guys, Howard and Gard, getting into that heated debate I spoke about. All the players were around them, surrounding them, Howard did sort of put his finger out and and was kind of finger in the chest and in the face of, of guard. And then he grabbed guard's sweater. And then the assistants came over and players came over. And Howard ended up reaching out. And, and it looked essentially initially like a punch, but it was actually a slap where he struck one of the assistants in the face. Uh, tons of punch, pushing and shoving and punches with various players involved and whatnot. And comments coming from both Guard and Howard after the game as to why this all went down or what led to all this. So maybe we should play those first, Jonesy, before we weigh sure. in on our own um, situation or our own thoughts on, on the situation. So why don't we first go to Guard and then hear from Howard. So here's Wisconsin head coach Greg Guard. Well, uh, apparently he uh, didn't like that I called the timeout to, to reset the 10-second call because uh, we only had four seconds to get the ball over half court. And I didn't want to put my backups. I had all my bench guys in the game. I didn't want to put them in that position of scrambling with only four seconds. So I took a timeout and I got us a new 10 seconds um, and helped them you know, get organized to get the ball in. And uh, he did not like that when he came through the, the handshake line. So um, I'll leave it at that, and the tape will show the rest. Okay, so the tape will show the rest again. If you haven't seen the incident, seek, uh, incident excuse me, seek it out on, on social media or otherwise you can find it. Watch Sportsnet. It's all over there. Howard said he was angry because, and, and Gar just referred to it, uh, he was angry over the Wisconsin's timeout usage. Wisconsin called timeout, two timeouts actually, in the last minute, including one with 15 seconds left, with Wisconsin leading by 15. Now they end up winning by 14. So now here's Howard's explanation of the events. Well, basically, uh, you know, I addressed with uh, the head coach that I will remember that because of that timeout. And uh, for someone to touch me, and I think that was very uncalled for them to touch me as we were verbalizing and communicating with one another. So uh, that's what ended up happening. And that's what escalated it. I think what kind of escalated it was more Juwan Howard's temper, in my opinion, more than anything else. Because I, again, folks, go watch the tape. And, and let's be clear, too, showing my cards, I'm a Michigan fan, have been since the childhood. I've told you the story before, my brother and I basically picking sides when we were kids. He's Michigan State, I'm Michigan. I'm a Michigan guy, which, again, flies in the face of me being a massive Magic Johnson fan. I know it makes no sense. I know it makes no sense. But I'm a Michigan guy, so I would ordinarily defend Michigan at all costs. But to me, Jonesy, if you see the video, guard came over and had his hands up kind of say, like, hey, hey, let me explain and it was Howard that kind of pointed the finger back and then grabbed Greg Gard's sweater. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Gard is completely innocent here, but I think it's Howard that escalated things. And then Howard's team is picking up full court, down 15, but yet Gard, why are you calling a timeout twice in the final minute when you're up by 15? Like, you can't take a turnover? 
You can't just let the clock run out and end this thing. So I think there's fault on both sides. I think the basketball side of this, I fault guard in Wisconsin more. The physical altercation side of things and the how heated things got, I'm blaming Juwan Howard on this. I don't know how you see it. Well, first of all, and, and this is something we had in our group chat too, um, I think you need to do away with that handshake after the game. I think you do at that level. This is not this is not bitty ball. This is not uh, the YMCA on a Saturday morning where you're trying to teach kids sportsmanship and you make them shake hands. This is like let's face it. This is business. It's it's money, and whenever it gets that heated and there's that much on the line, and you know I got into this, I got into this with our our colleague Sid Sixero back in 2009 when LeBron James walked off the court after not shaking hands with the Orlando Magic when Dwight Howard and the Magic, Stan Van Gundy, beat them to go to the finals. Everybody was all over it. And to me, oh, that's poor sportsmanship. No, sportsmanship is the way you play the game. You play hard. You respect the rules. You respect your opponent. That, to me, is sportsmanship. And I will, I will admit this. At a certain level, I have left the court after losing a game without shaking hands. Mm-hmm. I turn and I, I, I'm heated. I'm competitive. I'm trying to take that guy's head off. He's trying to take mine off within the scope and the rules of the game. And when it's over, I don't need to run to him and say, good game. You know what? There's a whole bunch of letters and numbers up on the scoreboard that tell him he had a good game. So if, if that's what he, if he wants to seek me out and say something, that's great. And when I won, I tried to do that. Hey, man, what a game. Jeez, you guys, man, you pushed, man. You guys were so good. You brought the best out of us. Dang, man, what? Hey, good luck going, f- going forward. And, and then go. I don't expect him to come to me. And, I, and, and it, depending on how you feel, you don't, that, that doesn't have to be you. So get rid of that handshake. I know Mark Boffo, our producer, put it in the group chat with, from Mark Price of all people. Mark Price. And people were upset. No, I think it's time to get. That's why the NBA, at the end of the game, you see them, they wave down if they feel like it. Or players will mill around after and talk with each other. Some guys are ticked. They leave. And it avoids any of this kind of stuff. You're right, E. Wisconsin, take that turnover. Take that. Don't call the timeout. Let them figure it out. If they turn it over, they turn it over. You're going to win the game. I don't know what the spread was. Did somebody bet on the game? Did it mean that much to take the timeout to get the ball over center? I don't know. So in that in that regard, take the timeout. I don't believe in this uh, don't run up the score because when I put my subs in the game and we're up 15 and they haven't played in two, three, five, eight games, let them go to town. I'm not going to hold them back. But the handshake line... Th- that's not the time to try and explain it if you're Greg Gar. It's not. It's not. Juwan Howard, you could see it. He pulled his mask away and said, I'll remember this. Somebody said there was a choice word in, uh, in, be- in, in between I and remember. And Which is fine. Case, I don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. If that's the case, let it go. Let it go. Go and talk to him after. Con- don't grab his arm because he's already heated. He's already ticked that he got his butt whooped in your gym by like 15, 20 points, right? Don't, don't, yeah. don't antagonize him. And you put your hands on him. Now he puts his finger in your face. 
do something to de-escalate it. Don't jump back in his face with an angry tone. And away we go. And then your assistant coach comes in and is putting his hands on your players. No, no. Like that's, to me, that's, that's where it all blew up. And if you didn't have the handshake, like let's get rid of it. If you want to, make it voluntary. You know, I, I, it's what I always admired about hockey. I don't know how you could try to kill a guy for seven games and line up and shake hands. And I know our friend Gordy Stelic has said this, that, that um, you know, back in the day, Jerry Cheevers, the goalie for the Boston Bruins, never shook hands. He skated off. He was done. Like, the series is over. I'm done. So consequences, I think there should be a consequence for the Wisconsin coach for, for putting his hands on Jawan Howard. Um, I think Jawan Howard, people want him fired. No, don't. he doesn't get fired. He gets suspended. There should be a suspension there for striking somebody else. But, um, you know, there, there, are, there are things that you can think through on this. If the roles were reversed, how would the Wisconsin coach feel about two timeouts, as you said, being called in that short amount of time at that time? No, it's not. Take the turnover or declare. You know, the Golden State Warriors, they shoot the ball at the end of the game when they're inside. Like, they don't take a turnover when there's 34 seconds to go in the game and they're up by 20 and there's four, uh, and, and, and they have a full shot clock and there's going to be 10 seconds left over. They don't take the turnover. Yep. Steve Kerr says, we're not taking that turnover. We're shooting the ball, just so all of you guys know. So don't come with the you know, poor sportsmanship or whatever. We're not taking that stat on our record. So we are going to shoot the ball. So you play defense, you do what you have to do, but we're going to shoot the ball. And for that timeout to be taken with 10 seconds, I'm with you. It's your subs, it's your bench players. Take the turnover or let them try and figure it out. But two timeouts, that would that would anger a coach. Yeah, and, and listen, I, ever, mo, I shouldn't say everything. Most of what you just said, Jonesy, I agree with. And that's why I tried to present it off the top that I think it's two separate issues. From a basketball X's and O's standpoint, I think Greg Gard is 100% at fault. Because even if his explanation was, well, I called timeouts or, or, or um, I was pissed at you because you were picking up full court and you didn't need to come at my guys like that, the game's over. Well, okay, whatever. We're still playing hard. We're playing to the final whistle. Did you really need to take those timeouts, though? Did you really need to take a timeout to not take a turnover with the amount of time that was left at that point? We're not coming back from down 15 with 15 seconds left. Probably not doing it with 60 seconds left, but we're sure as heck not doing it with 15 seconds left. So did you need that second one? So I totally understand, like, if I'm trying to put myself in Juwan Howard's shoes, as the coach, I'd be super pissed. Big time. Big time. So I fully, fully understand his anger level. And Jonesy, I'm not, I'm not going to die in this hill. I'm not going to carry the flag. I'm not going to sit out here and pump the and, and promote the, the the cause. But I will say, if he is fired, it won't surprise me. And I also, don't think it would be the wrong decision. If he keeps the job, great. If he's reprimanded, fine. But if he loses the job, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Ooh, that's wrong." Because as a leader of young men especially, be bad enough as a professional coach, but these are quote-unquote grown men, allegedly, in the NBA. They're professionals. As a leader of young men still in college and needing to be uh, a, a leader that sets the example and stuff, you can't have that. 
Like, you can't do that. As pissed off as you are in the moment, I get it. I understand it. I just acknowledge it. I'd be just as angry. And I would say the same thing about myself. If I'm the leader of young men or women as a, as a role model, let alone as a coach, I don't think you can do that at the collegiate ranks. And it's not the first time it's happened. That's the other thing, too. He's lost his cool before. So this is like repeat offense. Luckily, the first time it happened in the bubble experience in the NBA last year, he stormed off the bench, was out at center court, and had to be held back by players and assistants, multiple players and assistants, before he could get across center. But they held him in check, luckily. So this isn't the first time it's happened. So, again, I'm not saying go fire him. I'm not going to carry that flag. But if he is fired, it would not surprise me. And I'll add to this point, too. Two points. One, I heard from a current CIS coach who, just as color to this conversation, who added that they got rid of the handshake because of COVID, and he hasn't missed it. Which, maybe that's something in itself. Not just COVID-related, but it's like, hey, it's gone, and you know what? I don't miss it. Because to your point, I don't want to shake hands. And I'm the same way, Jonesy. Certain times, I would say this, and I don't want to put words in your own mouth. If I've competed against somebody, and... I'm salty, I'm mad, I'm pissed. Yeah, I don't want to shake their hand. There might be moments where, like, hey, man, I just, like, I'm in a fine mood. I'm pissed that I lost, but you beat me, and I respect that. Maybe I will. So it's like, maybe I'll shake your hand. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll seek you out after the game, after we've left the court, the field, whatever. Maybe I'll call you. Maybe I'll text you. And there might be times I want to do it in the moment, and I'm okay to do it. There's other times I'm not. So this coach that, that contacted me said he's glad it's gone as well. I heard from somebody else, though, too, who is... For again, just to paint the picture, he's a buddy of mine, huge Michigan fan, like even more so than me, but he's a former multi, multi-time CIS coach in football and a former CFL coach as well, assistant, not head coach, and a friend of mine. And he's adamant about the fact that Juwan Howard's going to be fired and should be fired. And he's a, he's a coach himself and a Michigan fan, and he's the one saying, no, he's got to go. So it's, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how the university, let alone the NCAA, deals with both sides. Because again, guard's not innocent here, but I think no, Juwan Howard not. is. Juwan Howard is certainly, um, I don't know, more guilty. He I did will, more. I will say this though, uh, and, and people might take it as a defense of Juwan Howard. Don't put your hands on people. Don't put your hands on people. He was walking by him, so do I'll remember this. And he was walking by him, and guard grabbed him. And that escalated things. That's when if you're guard, you say, okay, hey, all right, look, we'll talk later. And you just keep walking. Don't try to, that's not the time to try and explain yourself when the guy's heated and that emotional. And here's the way, this is the the part that I look at. And I'm, uh, when I, when I was a principal and a good kid got into a fight, there's a reason for it. Like what happened when the guy says, don't touch me. And. We, we, we need to understand this in society. Don't touch me means don't touch me. Don't put your hands on people. Don't, like, especially in that situation. And, yeah, if Jawan Howard's suspended, reprimanded, fired, well, he has to live with the consequence of his action. But at the same time, hey, man, if you let him, if the, first of all, if there was no handshake, that wouldn't be an issue. He probably would have stormed off. He might have gone after them in his news conference when it was all said and done, but he went to the back of the line already. Maybe he was thinking of leaving, and he's no, I better do this handshake or else. I'm, and he get, he's going through the line with that attitude, and and 
the guy puts his hands on you? I'm not, look, I'm not defending violence in any way, but don't touch the man. He's already ticked. You can tell from the tone of his voice what he said and all. Just let it go. Not the time to do it. Use your better judgment as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Jawan Howard. I, 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 I mean, I, I hope he's not fired. I hope he's not fired. I, he, I could see him being suspended. But at the same time, this is, this is grounds for, um, this is grounds for uh, looking at the whole handshake ritual. And, you know, the end of the game, too, I, I don't buy this, um, oh, sportsmanship is not running up the score. No, you play till the end. The yep. same way Jawan Howard was playing till the end, his team was down, they were pressing, whatever, and he happened to be pressing the other team's second unit. Well, you know what? Let your second unit figure it out. Or take one timeout, not two timeouts. Yep. We've taken two yep. timeouts for in the last minute when you're up 15. One I can see. You take one, you know, and you and you you yelled out, "I got to organize these guys, man! You're 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 still coming at us. I got to organize them." And you laugh or something like that, or you like do something to to put some levity into it and 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 de-escalate the situation. But uh, it was, it, I, I'm you know, Eric, I'm surprised it doesn't happen a lot more. I really am. I'm surprised it, it doesn't happen a lot more. I'm sure there's some cold, as I can tell you, some cold and salty looks walking through that line where one team's like, good game, good game, good game, and the other guys are given the wet fish. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Uh, and I'm sure you have too, Jonesy. Um, all right, yep. listen, we... Speaking of coaches and coaching young men, we've got a coach coming up next. And I, I listen, I don't know if we'll get into this with him because I don't want to totally put him on the spot. It's more about congratulating him and the opportunity that is ahead of him. Patrick Ewing Jr. Uh, will join us next on Smith & Jones. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sport. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Uh, joining us on the line right now, a man that joined us about a year or so ago, and we bring him on again. Well, hey, we'll, we'll bring him on every week if he wants to come on, but he's the new head coach and GM of the Newfoundland Growlers of the CEBL. So we send out congratulations and bring into the conversation Patrick Ewing, Jr. Coach, thanks for the time today. Oh, thanks, Eric, man. It's good talking to you. How are you and Paul doing, man? We're all good. All good. All good, Patrick. Um, we, we want to talk about your team, your opportunity, and so great to see you uh, get this chance. You're going to a great part of the country that loves its basketball. But I, I know you playing at Indiana and Georgetown and internationally and the NBA, you've been through handshake lines, sometimes when you don't want to. Your thoughts on what happened yesterday with Jawan Howard, and do you think we should do away with those mandatory handshake lines after the game? Uh, so, for me, unfortunately, you know, obviously, I think it's a, a very sad situation. Uh, I feel bad because I know I know Jawan personally, and I know that's not the type of person he is. Uh, so, I, the last thing I expected to see when I saw it, but it happens. You know, we all go through 
times where we're upset and we and things happen that we don't intend to happen. So, um, you know, whatever happened at the end of the game happened. They were upset about it. And, you know, Juwan tried to not acknowledge it and tried to keep moving, but the other coach, you know, kind of grabbed him a little bit and said whatever he said to him, which obviously upset uh, Juwan. And, and then, I mean, obviously you see the tape and, and the incident happened. But, um, you know, the, the, the handshake line, I mean, it's really only something that you see outside the NBA. I mean, I don't know if it needs to be done away with because it does show good sportsmanship. But at the same time, you know, I just went to battle or, you know, the sports world in the sports world battle against these guys for however long the game is. You know, basketball usually is 40 minutes. College basketball is 40 minutes. And then you expect me to just want to be friends and shake your hands after. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm for it, but at the same time, I understand why it's not always the best thing because there are a lot of things that happen on the court where people say things or, you know, throw elbows and things like that that may not be seen typically that at the end of the game, I'm supposed to be happy and shake your hand, which it doesn't always work. But, you know, I'm, I'm for showing good sportsmanship, but maybe there's a way if there's something that they need to discuss, they're showing another way to do it. I, I, I almost feel, Patrick, and, and to me, I, I don't know if you agree, I think this applies to NBA, CEBL, Major League, all sports, period. You don't need to force oh, the handshake because guys are going to shake hands or go, you know, hug, talk to, have a quick conversation with the guys they actually respect or like or know and want to, you know, thank or pay tribute to or whatever. They're going to do that either way. So don't force it. Like, don't make yeah, it a I mean, mandate. Just allow things to happen organically. Yeah, you definitely, you're definitely going to say hello to your friends and, you know, catch up for a good couple minutes. I don't know if it necessarily has to be in a handshake line, but, you know, I, I do think that showing good sportsmanship is always good. I mean, you always want to have find some way to show sportsmanship. And, you know, maybe maybe this time that we think about other ways to do, you know, to do that because we've clearly in the CEBL, we, 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 we've gone to the Elam endings, which is a, not the typical way that you would end a basketball game. So maybe it is time to start thinking about other ways to to show sportsmanship as well. Last thing for me on this before we get into your opportunity, Patrick, you know when you're playing on the blacktop and it's heated and it's, you're going to seven and it's like, you know, it's 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 game point and they, they knock it down and you lose, it's hard to walk off that floor and, and shake hands. Like and that's and that's what I think of in like you said in the competitive part of it. I, I know in the CIS I was at my son's volleyball game, university volleyball game yesterday. They stand on their respective baselines and and kind of wave to each other, like that. I, I, I just think to me the whole handshake thing, as Eric said and we've talked about. I just think you have to kind of make it, make it optional. And I, I don't know have you seen anything like this with the Elam ending. In, in the CEBL and, and is, as it's a regular staple, a regular part of the game? Well, with the handshake stuff, I mean, you definitely – I've definitely seen incidences where not, – not any incidents where anyone has, you know, thrown a punch or pushed anyone, but there's definitely been words exchanged and, you know, guys challenging each other's manhood after a game. But to me, it's a place that's called for. At the end of the game, we're trying to – you know, we had a good game – you know, it's on to the next. You know, you, you show respect to each other and, and keep it moving. So figuring out a way to to show respect to each other, you know, congratulate each other on a good game played, and, you know, keeping it cordial is definitely something that needs to happen. It's just figuring out the right ways to do it moving forward. Because, there's, I mean, even even out here in the States, I feel like this is the second time this year where I've seen someone throw punches 
in a in a in a post game handshake line. So you know you don't want that to be something that becomes that starts mirroring the game. Like we don't want it to be a negative aspect on our sport. And this is basketball. Both mm. times that I've seen it, you definitely don't want it to be something where you're like, oh man, these guys are. They don't know how to accept wins or losses or whatever else is going on. Like we, they, they start fighting in, in handshake lines. That's definitely not something that we want for our game. Speaking with Patrick Ewing, Jr., uh, now the new head coach and GM of the Newfoundland Growlers of the CEBL. Let's discuss that, Patrick. How did this come to be? An assistant last year uh, in Ottawa with the Blackjacks and now the head man with the Growlers. By the way, great name, and I keep saying this every single time we talk about the CEBL. Forget about the basketball yes. for a second. Whoever is in charge, whoever in the head office, the league office, is in charge of the graphics and the designs of the logos, they have, to me, among the best logos in pro sports, period. And I love the Growler's name, let alone logo. Outstanding. But how did this come to be, and how excited are you for this opportunity uh, to be the new top dog, no pun intended? Well, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to to get to Newfoundland and, and really start start kicking things off the way that I envisioned it in my head. Uh, it came about because I have a great support system in Ottawa. Um, they, they definitely pushed me to be uh, better every day. That's Javon, that's Charles, that's the assistant coach, the other assistant coaches who were with me. Um, they, 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 I knew at the end of the season that with the new teams coming in and potential other job openings that my name was going to float around. And I, and I had a, a good, a, I had a good system with me in Ottawa with those coaches and the, the front office that they, I knew that my name was going to be mentioned in a lot of these rooms. So I interviewed for a couple of them and I, we, I happened to stumble on the Newfoundland. They, they offered me almost right away. And, you know, I thought, you know, what better opportunity than to be the head coach and the GM, because at the end of the day, you know, I'll be able to pick the players that, that I want and, and to do the things that I want on the court. And it's my, it's my vision that we'll go with and I'm excited about it. Uh, Patrick, what philosophically, how do you see yourself as a coach? I, I, like I watch, I knew that that your dad was influenced by by Big John in college. Um, you know, he's at Georgetown now. I, I look at how they're playing. That they, you know, that hard nose. They they you know get up and down. If we were to watch your team, tune in in the middle of the season and, and watch watch your team, and you've had some time to try and establish things, what what kind of a team are we going to see? Well, kind of similar to what you just said, um, I've, I've been very fortunate where I've had a lot of great coaches coach me in my life. And a lot, most of the time I've had those coaches be very defensive-minded coaches. So that's that's my first priority is getting guys who can play the style of defense that I want to play. I want to play a hard-nosed defense where I want to – I don't want to press as much, but I definitely want to pressure, put a lot of ball pressure. I want to force guys to not take threes. And, and, and have a good rip protection system where guys are not just going by our guys and getting easy layups. And then offensively, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, a, I'm with the – how do I say this correctly? I'm not necessarily as, as big on just shooting threes and layups as, as everyone seems to think that basketball is going towards. I want guys who are high IQ that can play basketball the right way. Uh, I like positionless basketball. So if my five guy can get a rebound and bring the ball up the court, that's what I want him to do. If my point guard needs to bring the ball up the court every time to run a set, you know, I'm okay with that as well. But I want him, I want guys who other people want to play with on my offense because I feel like that's the best way to play basketball. So I want our guys to just be high IQ guys and guys who know 
really how to play the game and to keep their teammates involved. Well, Patrick, that, that sounds like what we've been getting accustomed to watching here in Toronto with Nick Nurse and the way the Raptors have been playing arguably since Nick took over, but certainly over the last couple of seasons with that sort of positionless basketball. And that, that to me is, I don't know, that's more fun to watch. i got to assume it's more fun to coach too where, and more fun to play for the guys where, hey, it's not about positions. Just show me you can play, and I'm going to put the five best guys on the floor. Most definitely, and that's why I think for basketball to truly be positionless, you have to have guys who can defend multiple positions, and that's why I feel like having a good defensive strategy is is very key for my team moving forward because if I want to play positionless basketball, I have to have guys who can defend, you know, at least three positions. So for, for me doing that, you know, it's finding the right guys and putting them in the right positions to be able to do that successfully. Patrick, Patrick what's first order. Oh, sorry, Jonesy. I, 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 it's got to be quick, Jonesy, because we're up against the clock, big time. You know what? We'll wait, we'll wait and we'll have him back again. How's yeah, let's that? do that. Let's do that. <laughs> rather than rather than rush it, rather than rush yeah. it, let's get you back, Coach. We're gonna we're, we're putting you on the spot, but we'll get you back before the season starts, so we can get into a longer conversation. And heck, maybe we'll even get a chance to see you out east, because uh, I know uh, both of us plan to be there at some point this summer. So maybe we'll have a chance to actually see you in person and check out a game as well. Most definitely. And Paul knows anytime he needs me, I'm always available for him. Awesome. Thank you, man. Coach, Appreciate you. Oh, thank you, guys. It was good talking to you. I'll hopefully talk to you guys soon and definitely look forward to seeing you guys at a couple games this season. Awesome. Thanks, man. There's Patrick Ewing, Jr. So certainly better to get him back for another conversation than to rush it in the final seconds. Uh, Patrick Ewing, Jr., head coach and GM of the Newfoundland Growlers of the CEBL. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. We'll be back on Tuesday.